You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th, hosted by Kevin Hart. The seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to the Attacking Scrum podcast. This Six Nations weekend had it all. Outrageous tries, awful refereeing, thrilling games in Dublin and Edinburgh, and even some pre-match punch-ups. Over the next hour or so, we'll be dissecting the weekend, looking at where it went wrong for Wales, as well as looking ahead to the final round of fixtures, and of course, a roundup of all of the news from elsewhere within Wales. As always, big thanks to our sponsors, So Coffee Trades, and make sure you head over to socoffeetrades.co.uk to get your hands on some top quality coffee. Dan Killick, with me once again. How are you, Dan? Yeah, fine. I really enjoyed the games this weekend. Yeah? Yeah, I did. Well, apart from the Friday night's game. Yeah, that was... Was that a game? It was dross, really, wasn't it? I, I, Poor. I, you know, no, it's always going to be Friday night. Yeah, well, you know, I have, I have a massive problem with games on Friday night. I just can't... Like, not... Club club fixtures, I'm absolutely fine with, but it just I don't know, it just really annoys me. Like if there is going to be a game on a Friday night, I'd rather it was one of those fixtures. I hate it when Wales play on a Friday night. I really yeah. just can't get on board with it. Uh, but yeah, it wasn't it wasn't much, was it? It wasn't compared to the uh, compared to the other two games, yeah. was it? So just quick aside though, does that kind of show? Because actually, think about it. It wasn't an awful game of rugby, really. Maybe I was being a bit harsh there. It wasn't an awful game of rugby. Does that kind of show how far the the Six Nations has come in the last few years that we've just become to expect excitement rather than arm wrestles. Yeah, I think it has. I think so because the games now are, you know, we're, we're wanting these epic matches, aren't we? And certainly, uh, certainly this Six Nations and the last few, there have been some absolutely brilliant, brilliant games, isn't there? You only have to look back, you know, not so long ago where it would just be, you know, really close four ding dongs. Um, I mean, and we still enjoy them, but probably the neutral wouldn't. So mm. it's a, it's a, it's always been a great tournament, isn't it? But it just actually is getting better and better. Yeah, I think it is. I think some of the skills on display, and we'll definitely get onto this a bit later. But you're just looking at some of the passing on display. You know, you look at Sexton's bullet pass to put Stockdale over. Yeah. 
there was, you know, even like Hadley Parks's big miss pass that Navidi then put Shingler in in the corner, and then Finn Russell's miracle oh. <laughs> ball that just seems to what, do everything can't just goes stop up, watching down, that. like up, down, left, right. That's that's one of the best passes ever. Surely, oh, I loved it. I absolutely loved it. But all, all of those on display, I think, just kind of shows when we were moaning kind of around the 2015 World Cup about Northern Hemisphere rugby, I think it does show that things are moving massively in the right direction. Yeah, and certainly anybody can beat anyone on their, t- on their, on their day. Yeah, that's true. And does it kind of... Because obviously, like, that, that Scotland game was absolutely amazing. Does that help you to kind of get over a, a Wales defeat when you see England lose? Particularly, though, when it's, you know, when a side like Scotland are playing like that. I do. I don't know really. I didn't really look at it quite like that. I just thoroughly enjoyed. I thought it was a great game first of all. Yeah. I thought it was a brilliant matchup. Um but I did probably have a rice have a, have a smile on my face for the whole of the the whole of the 80 minutes because yeah England were uh, were under the cosh and I I just loved the 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 way the camera was flicking up at, up to Eddie Jones mm-hmm. and he he wasn't sitting down was he was standing. Uh, fair play to him though afterwards he came out didn't he and uh, said about three lines. Um, was so short, wasn't he? And then went back in. I just want to see a little bit more. From, you know, I want to hear a little bit more from him. Yeah, I kind of hope that this is the start of him losing the plot a bit. To be honest, yeah. I hope it's the start of him, you know, losing his rag with the English media. That really bizarre interview with Chris Jones the other week, yeah. where yeah, he seemed to he seemed to lose the plot with him, and then yeah, the the kind of the, the shortness this week. He wasn't I, enjoying I those questions, like, I hope is he? It's, no, but you know what? He's got, he's suck he's it got to take it. With it. He's got to take it, isn't yeah, he? Yeah, he has. He got he got beaten fair and square, well and truly. Yeah, pumped. Um, so yeah, that was the that that part there was possibly the highlight of the uh, of the weekend. That interview for me, yeah, it was fantastic. Yeah, no, I just I, I definitely enjoy. It. Again, I don't know whether it's him doing it just to take the pressure off the players, you know, as they seem to. As a lot of the time, that the media kind of seem to allude to, but I just find him highly irritating, very, very irritating little man. Yeah, yeah, no, I do. I just, I wonder how much of it is on purpose and how much of it is is actually just uh, is just him being uh, kind of aggressive and objectionable. But anyway, yeah, I've thoroughly enjoyed. You know, I've thoroughly enjoyed watching Scotland get that victory. As aside from it just being England. Losing, they played some great stuff in there. Who's who was your standout player? Guys, hard Dif- to pick one difficult. actually, isn't it? Yeah, um, one. You know what? I'm gonna go. I'll give you a couple of honorary mentions first up. Hugh Jones was brilliant. Uh, he really deadly, was. deadly yeah. finisher. Runs brilliant lines. Can't I stop thought, scoring, can he? He can't stop scoring. I thought uh, Horn inside him had a great game. He plays kind of un- unfussy yeah, on paper, nig- niggly. Yeah, as well. but I thought he, he made some great carries and big in defence. Big in defence. I, I was really impressed with him. Barkley was fantastic. Watson was really like terriers at the breakdown, yeah. which was amazing. Bob that's where England went wrong, like, and that's why I'm annoyed that we weren't able to exploit it the week before. It's like that back row, like if Courtney Laws it's is a number six, it's then, not balanced. Yeah, then you know, then I'm an international fly up. They did look so much, so much better when they brought on an actual seven. Yeah. Um, obviously, then he put in that um, that silly hit, but they mm. were they were they were changed side. Yeah. With with him on the physicality, who's over the ball. I mean, it was a different type of physicality, wasn't it? With, yeah. With with um, with him coming on, but um, yeah. With, well, we're going to come on and talk about back rows later on later on the show in, in just a moment when we get on to, to fact or fiction. One more though. Go on. Your man, who you absolutely love, had a great game. 
Greg Laidlaw. Yeah, you know, Greg <laughs> I can't believe you didn't so mention before it. Before the game as well, I was just you saying. You are like, his biggest fan. I was saying a lot of it. It's like, oh, it's just a bit <laughs> you know why I, you know, I liked him? Because yeah. five years ago in the 2013 Lions tour, when I knew they were only going to take uh, two outside halves, I was like, well, mark my words, Laidlaw will go as the other nine because he can cover 10 as well like, in a midweek game. Obviously, he didn't go on that one. He ended up on the Lions tour. I've just always kind of liked him for being yeah. neat and tidy. Um, I did think he would, I saw him. But he, had to, he, did have, he did have a good game. Um, but yeah, for me, it was Finn Russell was outstanding. Just to have the sheer balls to go, do you know what, forget it. I, I don't care what stick I'm taking, I'm going out and I'm playing the way I can play. Yeah. And, you know, he nailed it. There's so, few, really players, there's so few players who, who play as outrageously aggressive and attacking as him. And that pass, I mean, like, if that had been Bowden Barrett, Everyone, well, everyone, a Bowden Barrett would have been pleased. The New it. Zealanders will have that on repeat. Yeah. They will be loving that. I thought his kicking game was just, just exceptional, mm. wasn't it? Just the little, the weight of the little dinks through some of the kicks as well. When he when he's in full flight yeah. and he's pinning these kicks, and of course most most players will will slow down, uh, almost sort of to a walking pace, and then and then put put boot to ball. But he, he's he's running at full pelt and then kicking. It's a, that's a really fine art, isn't it? Yeah, it He's, is. He was a joy to watch. Fair play to him. So yeah, thoroughly, uh, thoroughly enjoyed that game. Just quickly as well, I was up in up in the Peak District, staying with our with our friends this weekend. So uh, they did well to. I'll, I'll give him a, a, a quick shout out because I know he, he does listen to the pod, and that's uh, that's our mate Captain Colin uh, up on the up on the farm. So putting up with putting up with me this weekend when Shouting. I was probably less than. Uh, less than gracious in defeat, and certainly uh, less than gracious in Scottish victory. So, <laughs> a, fair, a fair bit of colourful language coming out of them. Yeah, sure. I, don't, I don't know. I think I managed to keep that in check. Those but, poor uh, cows and pigs. That's right. Yeah, they've heard it all. <laughs> right, let's get on with the main part of the show. Big long intro there, Dan. Um, let's get on with the main part of the show, which is fact or fiction. So each week we do this. We debate a series of statements to get to the bottom of the big issues from this week in Welsh rugby. So. Put out a, a shout out on on Twitter earlier on if you want to if you want to get in touch with us you can do that at attacking scrum and a few people have got back in touch with us with regards to a few things they want us to, to cover off so I'm going to start this is something that Owen Hughes mentioned to us and he says um, wants us to talk about the the number ten shirt essentially and so I'm going to start with that one if Wales want to continue playing high tempo attacking expansive rugby then Dan Bigger can't be the ten fact or fiction. I think it's um, listen it's to fi- him buy in time. Here. Yeah, it's, fi- it's f- fiction. I think we can play high tempo with him, mm. but it's a lot. We can play it, but we won't because it, it's he'd have to, he'd have to he'd have to change. I think he can change he can change his game. Yeah, but it more often than not he'll revert back to type. So it can happen. Um, but I can't see. But I can't see it. I mean, in, in against uh, Ireland, I wanted I wanted Patchell to play, didn't I? Um, you know, I called for him to for him to for him to have another start. Um, I know there was a big there's big calls for Anscombe to, to to have a go, wasn't there? But I would have. I still believe this. I would have. St- I would have stuck with Pat with Patchell mm. um, because we we played into their hands by playing a more structured game. They wanted that, and you know it went their way. They bullied us. Well, yeah, we spoke a lot last week about having to have a back three that were comfortable under the high ball because, you know, we were kind of a bit exploited there against England and you expected Ireland to fully kick the leather off the ball. Well, they didn't need to. They had so much front foot possession that 
We just couldn't get the ball, could we? Couldn't get our hands on it. Well, no, we weren't trying to get hands on it by the look of it. The amount of times that they were just uncontested at, at Rucks had so much front football. And then we kicked the ball away in the and first half. And then we with, with 69% possession in that game. And bulk of that possession was in the last 10 minutes when the game seemed, or should should really have been over. If Johnny Kexton could goal kick, mm, they'd have been out of sight. Been, yeah, would have been So, gone. yeah, I digress a bit there. Um, but, he, I mean, it's difficult to judge bigger on that because... He, yeah, every bit of ball he had was was on the back foot. Um, you know what he did, what he does well, as we know, is he puts up those high balls. He chases them. He made two really good takes in the air where he beat he beat Carney on yeah, both they occasions. Were, they were great takes, weren't they? But he hasn't he hasn't played, has he, since the end of Again, jam? That's, so that's it. Was that you know, it's a massive ask, wasn't it, to yeah. throw to throw him in? Um, I I believe we made we made the wrong call putting him in there. It should have been Patchell or Anscombe. The wrong call based on fitness or the wrong call based on game plan? Based on fitness, really. Um, I think he was off off, you know, off the mark. I know he didn't have much ball, but when he did have it, it was a little bit laboured. Um, and so I don't think it was quite fair on him, really. And, and of course, if you get the call, you're not going to say no, are you? No, of course not. No one's going to. So, <clears throat> yeah, I... I I, I just think it was it was all too easy to revert back to, to to bigger for that game when we did it, and I think they would have been they would have been happy with that. Does it show you though that going into let's say you know we're we're heading into the World Cup, is this going to be a regular theme that we get that when it comes to these big games, you know, it's fine Patchell at home at home to Scotland, um, obviously he got the nod he got the nod for the England game. Do you think that there is there is still a big question mark for Patchell at ten? When it, for the head coaches, I mean. Well, yeah, there will be, but that's because we haven't seen him. He needs to have a he needs to have a run of games, isn't like Finn Russell. He's their ten. Mm. They made a decision that he is their ten, even if he has a howler. He's their ten, isn't he? Now you know we've got, we've got a number of we've got a number of options. Yeah, they've got as many options as we have. No, we? but, but unless we... Craig Chalmers is going to come back <laughs> in for him, or yeah, they haven't. But but equally, how nice is it for him to know that he can he can mm. you know come out with all sorts of little tricks and some will come off, some won't. But I, I, we've got to give a run. If, if it's Patchell, we've got to give him a run of games. If it's Anscombe, we've got to give him a run of games. We know what Bigger can do and there will be times when we need to use him. Are you going back on this though, Dad? Because I mean, you, obviously you say that you want Patchell to play. Yeah. And that's predominantly because you think he's the best attacking threat. Now, does that in itself say that that Bigger isn't the best attacking option? You know, does well, it, does it yeah. mean that... The, that we're not able to do it. Is it too late in Dan Bigger's career to, to change and to adapt and be able to to be as effective? Well, I'm t- I'm the question I'm kind of torn with because I do think he can I do think he can change he can he he could change but he probably wouldn't. So yeah, I'm kind of answering it in a different way, aren't I? Um, what would you what what do you think with him? I mean, I I tell you I, what I would say right is I don't think you can play the kind of rugby that we want to play. A, right, a Putting, this, putting aside the forwards, which we'll come on to later, I don't think you can play the way that we wanted to play with bigger and half-penny inside. I think you need a football... I, I said this before, I think you need a footballing option. But when you look at the Lions when he was playing 10, we were there was real attacking in 10, wasn't there? Bigger? Yeah. Yeah, that's, so, it's true, but again, they're midweek games. And I know that they're, they're not easy midweek games like you'd, you'd probably get in Australia, but... 
you know, I suppose that maybe that's the maybe that's the difference. Yeah, I think he also misses his he misses his nine. Yeah. So bigger, you know, he really he really needs Webb there. Um, so we got it wrong. Wrong on the day. Okay. Interesting. Um, we'll come on later on in the show to to see what side you pick for for the remaining two fixtures. Uh, but let's move on. I, we've alluded to it already. So talking about the. Um, Talking about the forwards, let's get on and, and talk about back row because again, there's a number of people who got in touch with us and wanted to talk about this. Uh, Matt Reed is one of them. Huel from the Scarlet's Rugby blog uh, also wanted to talk about the balance in the back row. So the statement for you, Dan, is this: the balance of the current back row needs to change for the Italy game. Factual fiction. For the Italy game, we could probably get away with playing that same back row, but for the Island game, we got it, we got it, we got it wrong again. Okay. Um, what was wrong with it? It just it, it didn't have the right balance at all. I thought I thought Moriarty had a had a poor game yeah. and was exposed as as an eight. Um, and then if we're going to be critical at seven, we weren't you know we weren't over the ball enough. We didn't compete, but I don't know I don't know whether that was. It seemed to be a bit of a. There seemed to be a, something going on with our game plan that we weren't competing mm. um, as anywhere near as well as we, we needed to do against Ireland because they are, you know, they they want that physicality all day long, don't they? They were smashing us off, um, and we've got you know Shingler is is an animal. Yeah, Navidi's a very very hard boy, strong strong chap, and Moriarty we all know what he can do. So I I I don't quite know what. What we were doing there, but did it seem to you like we were standing off at times, or we could be absolutely more, more, coming than, in? more often than not, we weren't committing enough, we weren't aggressive enough at the breakdown, uh, we weren't aggressive enough in the tackle. I didn't think, you know, I think they were making so many, so many easy yards that, yeah, that that really put us on the on the literal back foot. You know, that the whole time we were losing yards, and you know, that's not only down to your back row, right? It's, that's that's not the case, but it does start there. You know what I mean? If you if you were criticising the backs and saying, "Oh well, we had a bad a bad kicking day," you'd start by looking at the the half backs and the and the full back, and and I think that's what you have to do with the with the forwards is look at the back row. And and I, I agree with you. I don't I don't think the balance was right there. I thought Moriarty had a poor game. I don't know if I'd say he's, he's exposed as an eight. Uh, I would say he's been exposed as a guy who's not played much rugby this year and is trying to recover his form in a test jersey which as we've said a number of times before isn't an easy thing to do so but yeah but also I, I don't think the balance looks right yeah at I, all for me yeah I mean we've there's no there's no one in there I, you know if Sam Walton was fit he'd have slowed a lot more ball down in there and I think that's the kind of player that that you miss in a in a back row like that even if you're not winning loads of turnovers He's slowing it down every single time and yeah. preventing that really quick ball. Do you think it's fair to say then that we could, because for instance the back row now that the back row we've got you know Navidi, Shingler and uh, Moriarty. Moriarty could could slot in. They, they could do a brilliant job against um, against Italy. Mm. Um, actually, think they could do a very good job against France as well. But against certain sides, that isn't it isn't going to work. There's no point prepping um, for no. There is prepping for but, a, you know we should be beating Italy. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Certainly, where they are at the but, moment. Yeah, but do you we think need there's... to be we need to be prepping to beat South Africa and New Zealand and England and and teams like that. You know, that's what we've got to have a back row. So do you think we we, we pick so an out and out seven 
an eight and a six then and stick with that group or do you think we chop and change depending on who we're playing against? Well, I'll tell you what, playing against, I, mean, I think the thing that... It's attritional, isn't it? It's the thing that... Look, I think whatever happens, Shingler, Shingler has that six jersey for me. I think potentially some of the game plan stuff was wrong where he seemed to be just marking around the fringe or trying to put a bit of pressure on Murray when actually we probably should have just been committing to the to the rucks. But I think he's he's got all the qualities. He's brilliant defensively. He shows what an athlete he is. He carries well. He looks to offload. I for me he's he's kind of nailed on out of all of those out of all those players. I think Moriarty's out of form and I'd take him out of the firing line. And yeah, I you know, I would like to see a, an out and out seven in there. Whether or not that's Josh Navidi, I'm still I'm still not sure. Um A lot, a lot of calls for Tipperick. Yeah, I just um <coughs> Tipperick back in against Italy. Yeah, potentially I would be, I'd be tempted to have a look at at Cubby. Yeah. As well. You know? I thought what Navidi did brilliantly was um on both of those tries, he pinned his man down and delivered the pass. Yeah, it was a really beautiful big. pass. Um, on both of them, for, mm. for Shingler and for, and for yeah. Steph Evans, he did that absolutely brilliantly. We've so, seen them go wrong a lot. Yeah, so I mean, if we're talking about players who haven't got match fitness and not rushing them back, for Italy, maybe have Toby on the bench and look at um, and look at Tipperick, uh, sorry, look at Navidi as an eight. So again, you've still got the benefit of having someone who can slow, slow ball down um, of having someone who can who can yeah get over the top of the ball knows how to how to pin a man in attack how to you know and still offers you a good carrying option so we're tempted to maybe have a look at that um, would you I'd bring Falato in it would you yeah just I think against Italy it's a nice game for him to come back mm. into played on the weekend didn't he for Bath um, and Navidi Navidi's been brilliant he's played he's played a lot of game time for club and country I think he needs a little. We just need to give him a little bit of a breather. Mm. And he's been brilliant. You know, he, he did he did some great stuff on the weekend. To be fair yeah. to him again, um, yeah, I thought ball in hand he was fantastic. Yeah, I don't think we need to. I don't think we need to. You know, I don't think we can be too you know too critical. I think we just got it wrong on the day. I really do. And and we could have come out of that with a win. That's the that's the staggering thing when you look at the statistics. Yeah, that's mental. As I well. mean, because we had we had three on one. That was a three on one. Yeah, Anscom through if the pass. If Anscom hits Tipperick. You're we're in. in there. Absolutely, we're in. And, and, and again, I, if there's any four you're going to back to, to make the right decision yeah. there, it's going to be Tipperick. Well, Tipperick would have gone, gone, gone well, himself. Would he himself or would he pin two men? Yeah, and put him dummy and through. Yeah. Well, we can only dream, can't we? But um, I don't blame uh, Hanscom at all for that. He, he threw it. It, it. You know, Sometimes they come off, sometimes they don't, and, and, it, and it didn't. But I don't think that's, yeah, that's not the reason, the overall reason why we lost the game. You know, that was, that might have been what put the... Yeah. The nail in the coffin, but yeah, you're right. I mean, the, the fact that we're even in it. I was disappointed the, the way we red. didn't react. We didn't react quick enough. Like obviously, the game plan, as we said, was to to hang off and maybe get some of the players into the wider, you know, the wider channels. We didn't protect the inner, the inner channel, and and hit them hard. Um, but it was obvious the the way they were they were playing, and we didn't. I don't know. Nobody came around and said, actually, we need to switch this around, mm. guys, and 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 change our tactics. We just stuck to what we were doing, and. You know, when we did have the ball, we scored three brilliant tries. Like, you know, killer yeah. tries. There was there was killer instinct on that, wasn't it? Yeah. We were, you know, we got that, the ball, I mean, we that scored. Is, got that the ball is the encouraging bit because, again, go back 12 months. We had we weren't doing ball. That. We were not doing that. Yeah, yeah it was we, the opposite, wasn't it? We exactly. had all we had the possession and, and didn't do anything with it. couldn't create anything. Yeah, so there are, there are, there are, I'm sure we'll come on to it, but there are big pluses, aren't there? 
There are. All right, let's finish. Uh, let's finish up in the in the forwards then. Um, and let's take, let's take a look at the front row because I know you're keen to chat about this. Um, yeah. Probably be uh, some dietary changes for uh, for the front row forwards. They'll be on your your vegan salad diet. But the the statement is this: the front row performance showed that we're not as good as we think we are in the scrum. Fact or fiction? Fact on that performance. Yeah, we all thought, didn't we, that. Um, we target uh, Porter. He, he did a job, didn't he? And we got no no change out of it at all. Um, I thought all their rookies were brilliant, by the way. You're right. I thought Porter handled himself really well. Yeah. Farrell picked up man of the match in centre. I thought he, he had was a big terrific. game, didn't he? Um, and James Ryan in the second row. I thought, I thought yeah. he carried well. Um, yeah. yeah, I thought he had a, so, you know, kind of so much for, for picking off the more inexperienced players in their side. Yeah, yeah let's, let's go back to the front row. Though. Yeah, so we were going to we were going to target. That was that was an area, wasn't it, that we we really felt that we could, uh, you know, we could get one up on them, and it didn't happen. I I thought that the the bench when they came on that did make they did make a difference. You know, Elliot D scrummaging Hooker, um, Evans as well is an absolute an absolute rock, and Francis, and we we started to really put a squeeze on them. Um, I I you know that's. They made a big impact, and with carrying as well when they came on, they upped things, and you know we started to draw, we started to bring ourselves back into the game, didn't we? It was a huge step when um, Evans went off, and uh, Rob Evans came mm. came on, and I I had a look at it, I thought this is this is going to go one way, I could just see it, and obviously we got pinned, didn't we, for that yeah. for that pen, but um, yeah, that one looked very dubious to me actually. Yeah, it was. It looked like they it looked like they'd come in on a on an angle. It looked like Jack McGrath come right in on the angle for me, but um, you know whatever it was given. But yeah, no, I, I get that actually. I, I don't think it, I think is if Win Jones was there, I don't think I I yeah. I think we would have been all right. He's he's a he's he's a very very good scrum. Good yeah, scrum I've been really now. I've been really impressed with him. Um, and they just the the front row. It didn't 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 have the didn't have the greatest of games. No, they didn't, and I would I would kind of leave it there. Actually, I'd say this one's fiction. Um, I'd say, look, it wasn't, it wasn't a good performance, and I think they'd probably be the first to admit that. But I think that's a rarity. I think that that front row has been in really good form for club and country. Um, I think that I don't think there's any reason to to kind of throw the the baby out with the bathwater, so to speak. I think it's good having Win Jones uh, as a you know as a good scrummaging loose head. I think actually it shows that we are in we are in good nick in that regard. Um, I, yeah, I, I don't think you'll see that front row have a have as poor a game as as that for a for a long time. Yeah. I think they're all really good. I'm going players. fact on this game. Sorry, right. yeah, not uh, not oh, not, no, in, still, not in general, there. but um, pleasing that we've actually um, got a a full front row that can come on and make a big impact yeah. because there's been times where we brought on. You know, brought on props. I'm not going to mention them, but you've known that it's, it's, it's you know they'll do all right round the you know the loose. But there's going to be nothing coming up front, and that all those boys can can scrummage, can't they? And scrummage. Yeah, hard. they they can, and I think that's you're right. That's that's definitely made um made a positive difference. But yeah, I I don't think I I certainly wouldn't change the front row for for the next fixture. Personally, I I'd write that one down and say that they were poor um, by their standards, but. I'd expect them to bounce back. I think they've got a bit of credit in the bank that, um, that I don't. Th- I think as good an option as as Win Jones is, I wouldn't be dropping Rob Evans for him. So you keep the <coughs> you keep, keep the same for the same. Yeah, I would. Yeah. All 
right, let's have a look at the right the last uh, the last couple of points. Then we've got to talk about refereeing because this was social media was awash with uh, with criticism, much like it was uh, in the England game, albeit that was directed at the TMO. Another Kiwi in the in the the headlines this time. It's Glenn Jackson, uh, the referee of the game on Saturday. So. Let me put this one to you. Glenn Jackson was the real reason that Wales lost on Saturday. Fact or fiction? Absolute fact. No, um, no it was fiction. But he didn't. He certainly didn't help. Um, actually, I don't, I don't know. Maybe it is fact because they weren't ref. He didn't ref them. Mm. He just did not ref them at all. And Ireland are the you know they're a side that if you don't if you don't keep a close eye on them, they always take it to the yeah to to the you know right to the line anyway. Um, and they just then they they were they could do what the hell they wanted and they weren't getting pinned at any point. So massively, massively frustrating that because it it changed the whole makeup of the game from <clears throat> almost from minute one. So <coughs> you could say fact, really, couldn't you? It's, it's a bit dramatic, but yeah, you could say it. I'm not going to. I'll go with fiction. But yeah, I mean, look, I that was that was a really weak refereeing performance for me. I think you're right. He let Ireland get away with murder. Um, I still think they were the better side, comfortably yeah. actually. But I think the big thing is, you know, you've referees are always going to di- you're always going to get different interpretations. <clears throat> I thought that was a particularly weak and loose interpretation of the break. I don't think anyone. I don't think you look back at any of those and say, "Oh, it was a marginal call." I think there was quite a lot where you're right; they were getting away with murder in there. The thing is, you know, sometimes you are going to have games like that. You know, if that was a World Cup semi-final, it's bad enough that it's a Six Nations game. If that was a World Cup semi-final, you, you've got to adapt and you've got to yeah. do things differently. It's that I don't adapt, think, we, we didn't yeah. do it. No, we didn't. And I don't think anyone in that dressing room will be sat there saying, right, we lost that because of the ref. And they certainly shouldn't be. As frustrating as it is, you've got to be able to react to it and go, okay, well, how do we, how do we beat the referee if possible? What can we do to, uh, what can we do to, to negate this? Yeah. You know, how can we get away with murder? Uh, at the breakdown, if that's what if that's what's going to happen, if they're doing it, we yeah, yeah. I, yeah. I think as a coaching group, they will they will be bitterly disappointed with our refereeing performance, though, because momentum once it picks up, it's difficult to stop, isn't it? And you know, the the breakdown is is huge, isn't it? If you win the breakdown, you're often gonna yeah. you're often gonna win the game. And we, we, well, I, think, we I think both those games on Saturday were decided at the breakdown. I really do, you know. Yeah. Ireland, you know, whether it be just because of the referee or actually because they were uh, a lot cannier than us, Ireland won the breakdown hands down. I thought Scotland won the breakdown against England, and and that's what enabled them to have that that quick ball that then enabled the backs to go out and score the tries. So I think I think both those games were won at the breakdown. But you know, as annoying and as I thought as poor a refereeing decision um, performance as that was. We've got to be we've got to be better than that, and we can't afford to blame the referee. Yeah, I'm with you. We've got to be cuter, haven't we? All right, let's have a quick look ahead to the to the final couple <coughs> of games then. So two games remaining for Wales, both home fixtures. So we've got Italy at home first up, and then France on uh, Super Saturday. So let me put this one to you, Dan. Whatever happens in the last two games, this will be a disappointing Six Nations for Wales. Fact or fiction? Fiction. Fiction. I think we've got. A lot of a lot more choices now, quality options in various different positions. And if you think coming into this campaign, we had a massive amount of injuries, didn't we? I know a number of the other nations, you know, have as well. But 
we've lost some key key people, haven't we? At with you know at a we had tougher game. We've had tougher games at the beginning mm. than we're going to have for the back half. I, I hope anyway. Um, so no, I think it, I think there's a lot of positives to come out of this. Just looking at Saturday, we couldn't. We at times we couldn't score for Toffee, could we? Mm. You know, over the last couple of years, and now almost every time we get the ball, we looked we looked like we were going to score. Um, we almost did, really, <laughs> didn't we? We didn't have many. We, apart from the times where we kicked the ball away, yeah. If, if we'd held on to it, who knows? Maybe we'd have scored. You know, from maybe we'd have scored seven out of seven. Um, so I think there's a lot of positives positives to come from it. It's not going to be a great finish, um, or is it? Because it's thrown wide open. Um, we, we're not. We can't win it. Um, no, I know we, we can't win it. But building towards the World Cup, I you know we said didn't we that if the you know if we can see some some additional players and a lot of the guys end up. You know, having showing up fairly well, which I think I think they have. We've got some real, uh, some real selection issues, dilemma issues. You know, you you you'd pick, you know, you'd pick Anscombe at ten. I'd pick Patchell. Someone else picks bigger. Um, Don't tell me who I'd pick at ten. You know, um, Matthew Morgan then. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but but there's so many different choices, aren't there? And then you could throw that into fifteen. Yeah. You know, is it Liam? Is it? You know, is it half penny? Yeah. Is it Patchell? So, I think I think these are all good things. I think. Yeah, they are. I just think you're right though that when you mention they're leading on to the World Cup, I think ultimately you've got to judge. You've got to judge your you benchmark yourself against the best opposition. I think the best opposition in this tournament is Ireland and England. You know, if you want to stand any chance of winning a World Cup, you've got to be able to win tests like those, and we haven't won either of those. Yes, we were close on the scoreline in certainly in the England game, and in the seventy ninth minute of the Ireland game, we was we were close. We could have beat we could have beaten both those sides though. They they didn't they didn't impress me massively. I've got to be honest. England didn't impress me hugely, and nor did uh, nor did Ireland. If I'm going to be honest, Scotland's performance today was was brilliant. But then we you know we blew them away. So there's there's nobody we need to fear, no. um, and I think. The, the fact that we've that we're attacking so well now from nowhere, and we were given a huge amount of criticism, weren't we, to the attacking, mm. the attacking intent, the attacking play. Suddenly now, all the sides are thinking this Welsh side, if they click, are frightening. Yeah, because we've only played in in part. You know, if we put a complete performance in, it's going to be it's going to be bloody impressive. Um, so for me, yeah, I mean, I know I'm I'm you know I'm always on the on the on the side of even if we're coming, if even if we're finishing last, I'll uh, I'll, yeah. find, I'll find something. But <clears throat> there's there's some big big pluses. Look, I, I wouldn't disagree that there are some big pluses in there. I just think that ultimately there were, if there's opportunities to win games at Twickenham, you've got to close them out, and that's the kind of the judge of where we are. That's not to say, all right, it's awful. We need to sack the coaches. Let's go back to square one. I think we're definitely moving in the right direction, but at the same time. Um, I think you've got to be disappointed. You've got to be targeted. You know, Scotland at home was a good performance. You know, I think we're obviously a very good performance. We blew them away, played some really nice rugby. Then, you, I think you've got to be targeting those those two away games and trying to win one of those. That's the, the real key test. You know, I, France, a bang average. Italy are still struggling. You, you know, you've got to win both those games at home. So, I don't know, for me, it's kind of like an autumn series now where you've you've lost to Australia you've lost to New Zealand and then you've got two games left against, you know, against Fiji and Canada. 
you know, that's that's where I think, you know, or maybe like South Africa and Fiji, something like that. And you'd expect to go out and, and win those games. You're kind of, you're damned if you do and you're damned if you don't. Well, I just hope now that we we get to see some more some more of that really exciting rugby and, um, you know, that'll, that'll put a bit of polish on it. With that then, would you, would you make a lot of changes or would you still, you know, you're not going to sort of throw them all in there, but would you... No, I'm not, but we're going to talk about that in the last part of the show. Oh, so we'll, okay. get, uh, we'll get on to that. Okay. Uh, we'll get on to that in just a little bit. So that brings us to the end of the first part of the show, which is fact or fiction. We'll have Sinbin coming up uh, later on where uh, <laughs> we get a chance to, to kind of vent our spleens and, and talk about what's been annoying, uh, annoying us from the world of rugby this week. So there's plenty to come on that. If there's any other business where Dan and I will be picking our, our teams uh, we've got something a little bit different coming up in just one moment. Right, so it's a disappointing weekend for the men's team, and we'll be chatting more about that later on in the episode and what we should do about it. But first, we're going to chat about women's rugby. Unfortunately, it was a loss this afternoon for the Welsh women as well, uh, again, away in Ireland. Uh, however, earlier this week, I caught up with Jade Knight, who won her first caps during this tournament. And I spoke to her earlier in the week about juggling family, uh, juggling career commitments, the growth of the women's game, and how to be able to, to deal with defeat. And uh, here's what she had to say. I'd like to say then I'm joined on the line now by Wales Scrum Half. It's Jade Knight. Jade, how are you? Yeah, I'm really good. Thank you, Jade. Thanks for the inter- um, inviting me on to have this interview with you. It's great to have you on. Uh, Wales International Jade Knight. How does that sound? It sounds quite scary, actually, because I just <laughs> still see myself as just Jade, you know. Oh. Um, so, yeah, it's still quite early days being international, so trying to fill the big boots that's... Uh, set in front of me I think yeah absolutely well that's one of the first things we wanted to chat to you about was really just when you got that uh when you got that that call up and subsequently got your your first cap against Scotland just what was kind of what was going through your mind how did that feel well when I first had the phone call from the head coach it was a bit surreal and I was just trying to think right how can I make this doable because obviously I live in London yeah and I was really trying to think right how can I give this commitment to potentially get my first cap and then, um, obviously, the week leading up to Scotland, I generally thought I'd be happy to be in the team, just be on the bench would be a fantastic step for me. And then when I saw my name starting at nine, I absolutely, it was it was a mixture of excitement and nerves. <laughs> and then building up to that, I knew it was one of those games where we really wanted to win it, and it was quite a lot of pressure, but I was really, really, really excited. And the game really lived up to it as well. It was an absolute thriller. Well, yeah, because I'd been told about the year before where Scotland beat Wales by one point. Obviously, I wasn't involved <laughs> then and how much the girls really didn't want that to happen again. Um, so, yeah, it was it was amazing. Stepping on that field was so nerve-wracking. Um, and I think I did all right. But obviously, for me personally, coming off of the head not quite early on yeah. was mixed emotions. But I was absolutely chuffed for the girls to be on the right side of it this year and come away with a win. No, definitely. And you certainly had a few uh, a few battle scars to show uh, as, <laughs> yeah. your, as your social media um, as your social media feed showed the week after yeah I had um, yeah well obviously I'd had to come back from hence concussion protocols and I had a lovely 
panda look going with the double <laughs> the double black eye. So yeah, it was quite it was quite entertaining. Cool. I just wanted to chat a little bit more then about that um about those kind of nerves and, and things like that. Are you one of those players that, you know, you kinda of like the like the nerves to you know, to channel them and really kind of get the best out of your get the best out of your performance? Um, yeah, normally, like, I think the first cap kind of nerves is very different to any other nerves I've, I've felt before. Mm. Generally, I like nerves, which means I'm hungry for a game. It makes me ultra-focused, and you can actually use them for motivation generally. Um, but my first cap nerves were a totally different bag of nerves. It felt completely different. It almost feels like you, your controllables have suddenly become uncontrollable. And um, during that week, I literally had to learn how to bring it back to it's a, it's a game. Yeah. And I had to bring it back. So I had three focus points in my game. And I just kept repeating that to myself in the anthem and try to remember it's, it's a game of rugby. Let's get my focus points rather than let it become overwhelming. Now. Especially women's game is like getting more televised and yeah. things like that. Yeah. Well, that's, yeah, I mean, that's another thing, uh, another thing we wanted to talk about, because with the extra coverage on TV now, it really feels yeah. like a, a good time for the for the game in general. You know, it seems that the women's rugby has really kind of caught the caught the imagination of the public yeah it definitely feels especially this year because I've been out for four years with having my son and injuries and knee operations but this year it really feels like women's rugby has gone up to a new level with um, the the Tyrrells Premiership in England and then obviously the Six Nations all being covered on TV it definitely feels like there's a bit of momentum behind it right now definitely and obviously you mentioned there um, having your son living in London it must be you know I mean well I know from living in London and trying to and trying to run a podcast on the side of a day <laughs> job, it, it can be a bit of a struggle. But to be doing that and you know the the levels of training that you're having to go through, it feels like it must be a massive juggling act. It is a massive, massive juggling act, and and obviously I'm also in uni training to be a midwife. Um, but if it, if it hadn't been for the support network I have around me at the club, Richmond, my family at home. Um, then King's College London have been extremely supportive. I don't think it would be doable. But right now, it seems to be balancing all out quite nicely. So I just feel like one normally gives me the time off from the other. So if I'm yeah. training or training hard, then my academics give me the other balance. And then, obviously, I get to go home to my son, which is like almost a win-win-win situation, <laughs> even though I am exhausted most of the day. <laughs> That's awesome. Um and again, yeah, just to bring it back to bring it back to the Six Nations for a second. Yeah. Obviously, there was that fantastic, uh, fantastic first game. Sadly, uh, a defeat that, that followed against England and, and quite a heavy one. What's yeah. the What's the mood in the, the camp been like? Has it been easy to, you know, to, to kind of rally around each other? And um, and obviously, as we speak, this is prior to the prior to the Island game. Have you been able to rally around each other and and you know try and banish those memories pretty quickly? Well, um, just going to talk about the English game quickly. It was we, we knew going into England it was going to be a massive ask, and it was more the case of they're the second best team in the world, yeah. and that what we could learn by playing against them is something we can't gain at training. So that was something we looked at, and that we had a lot of po- po- positives come out of that game, um, which we've actually used in our advantage for Ireland. So we've gone up against one of the best teams in the world, and we're just going to try and use what we've learned from that game now into Ireland. And I think the camp seems pretty positive. And yeah, obviously you, you mentioned the coach in there as well. Um, obviously, Rowan yeah. Phillips is someone who, who people, uh, I'm, I'm imagining most of the listeners are, are pretty familiar with. But uh, what's, he, what's he like to work with as a coach? 
He's um he's really really good actually. Um, one thing I really like about his approach, he, he always tries to give some positives to the girls mm. and gives us some key areas to focus on, which is which is great. Um, he's always willing to give feedback. Um, so yeah, it's really really good to work with him to be honest. And for those who uh, perhaps maybe haven't had to, haven't got round to watching uh, haven't got round to watching Wales women this year, um, are, there, are there any kind of players in particular that you that you enjoy watching of your of your teammates that you know you think will really excite the uh, really excite the Welsh public? Um, oh, that's, it's, that's a really difficult question, isn't it? <laughs> because um, I, I really think we'd be on summer sometimes about the combinations between players. Yeah. So our six and seven, so Alicia Butchers and Beth Lewis are working fantastic together. We've also got like the props are fantastic. Then obviously got Karis leading as role model as captain. Our centre pairings getting better and better between Beck and Karen. And then I have to mention Jess Kavanagh Williams, who seems yeah. to be on the stormer right now. You know, she's just she's just a scoring machine right now. So, and then we've got so much young talent coming through, um, and there's still some more girls who haven't had a cap yet. This, so it'll be interesting to see who who develops more in the next couple of years. Yeah, the future's very very bright. Does feel like a very very exciting side. Yeah, uh, exciting exciting time for the side actually. And then just to, just to finish on, I guess what are your your kind of personal hopes for the um, for the end of uh, for the end of the tournament? You. Um, uh, on the bench again for for Saturday. Are you you know are you able to are you able to to manage are you able to manage that easily or is are you one of those players who gets impatient and desperately wants to get on? Um, I'm not used to being on the bench, so this is a new territory <laughs> for me. Um, so yeah, I'm learning how to develop it and also how to learn what my role is coming on off the bench. Yeah. Like I think there's certain things I need to work on, like decision making under pressure. Um, so I'm just trying to use it as development. And for my Six Nations, I'm chef to be involved. Um, if I can get more minutes, more caps under my belt, then that would put me in a really good stead. Um, this is my—I have four years out coming back into the Six Nations, so I'll be lucky to get through Six Nations and aim for next season really hard. This story—it's been a real pleasure talking to you. All the best for yeah. all the best with Ireland, and obviously all the best for the for the rest of the tournament. Hopefully, we'll catch up with you. Uh, we'll catch up with you again soon. Yeah, that'd be great. Yeah, thank you very much for inviting me. It's been really really fun. It's great to have you on. Thanks very much. Okay, thanks, Jed. Time now for Sinbin, the opportunity to air your frustrations. Every week we ask our Facebook group to let us know what's been annoying them and as you can imagine there's been no shortage this week. Uh, if you want to do the same next week or at any point, make sure you head on to Facebook and and you, first of all, you can like our page by searching for Attacking Scrum. But if you want to get involved in this part of the show, make sure you join our Facebook group by searching for Wales Rugby Fans. And you can get on there, talk about whatever you want to, any cool articles you've seen, anything that's been winding you up, any players you think we should keep an eye on. It's just a forum to, uh, to chat Welsh Rugby with like-minded fans. So make sure you do that. But... For this part, this part of the show, it's all about Sinbins, it's all about the things that have been annoying us, um, and there's a few things here, and Dan, I want to get your take on these uh, as we kind of go through them. So first up, actually, we're going to talk about TV coverage. So again, thanks to everyone who got involved in this. Uh, Paul, uh, Paul Price, who I know is a regular listener, blaming uh, the ITV coverage. Uh, we've had Steve Kemp and Nick Roden, who've been annoyed with John Inverdale. What did you make of the, the coverage on TV this weekend? I'm not a huge fan of uh, of ITV. I prefer to watch it on BBC. But you're the other way around, aren't you? Yeah, I, I like anything with Inverdale. 
I just can't stand him. Like he's just awful, smug bastard. Um, yeah, he is difficult to watch. Yeah, I, I cannot for the life of me see how this bloke has um, has been on has been the BBC's anchor for so long. I, you know, he's just appalling. He's so obviously one-eyed and biased that um, yeah, I've got I've got zero time for the bloke. His stupid smug face. Um, yeah, I don't know. I think the BBC's a little bit out of touch. I know people hate ITV because the adverts, but it's like, well, it's got to be funded somehow. Um, they are so frustrating the adverts. Yeah, but do you know what? Like, I'm not really that bothered about watching watching cosy studio chat. You know, if there's something that was particularly particularly interesting, engaging. Do you know what? Like these days, I watch the 80 minutes of the rugby and I look elsewhere for for analysis and for opinion. You know, whether that be through through podcasts or online or social media. But it's not from you know it's not from ex pros sat there cuddling up in the studio chatting out the same old the same old cliches. I'm not you know I'm not really interested. So like you know what the days of me sitting down watching half an hour's build up pretty much gone. You used to do that then? Yeah, I loved it. Yeah, but you know there's yeah, there's, there's so many different places to get you know to get your your fix of a rugby news and rugby opinion that you know it's kind of just become a bit of a closed shot where you just have ex-pros on there now and you know like we said before I'd, I'd like to see them mix that up a bit and yeah and show a bit more um show a bit more opinion so i actually think uh, you know of that i think itv's is a little bit is a little bit better generally yeah i mean yeah i, I ended up watching i watched the i was working on saturday so i watched the game um i recorded it so i just flicked i just flicked yeah. through straight to the but straight to the beginning you need to know right yeah, probably. Yeah, I, I, all I wanted to do was watch the watch the game. I flicked through the break and 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 then and then went straight in, you know, straight into the second half. So, um, and I actually actually did exactly the same for the for the Scotland game. So I can't really comment on it too much, yeah. really. I I watched it and, and moved on. That was it. Yeah. Um, well, look, I, you know, I think I think the adverts thing is it just it, it tickles me a little bit because it's like the adverts aren't in the middle of the half. Like, you know what I mean? It's not like, oh, as a, as a scrum as a scrum stoppage, we're going to go to the break. They're like, they're at half time. They're before the game. Yes, there's there's a fair few of them, but do you know what? Like, go I get think, a beer. I wonder, if the, I wonder if the vast majority now would actually not, would actually not, don't want any build-up either because, I mean, I watched a little bit of the England when they had a little, little uh, interview with, with Johnny May mm. asking him sort of, you know, his pre-match, like what he, you know, what he does before games. And it was, I just thought it was awful. There was, you know, he was talking about how he, he listens to some music, you know, as, as most people do, and you know, they, they they'd obviously had a tip off that he, yeah. he likes Disney music, so right. it was like, you know, he listens to a little bit of Disney, and and I think they were trying to make him out to be, you know, I don't know, it was it just it was all so I just obviously flicked, you know, watched that for a, for a split second, flicked through. I was thinking, what on earth am mm. I watching? Um, so yeah, I just reckon start the just just start the game. The start yeah. of the game, a little bit of chat at half time because it's there, mm. and then and then and then straight in. So yeah, like when the game's on, I'm completely engrossed with it. But outside of that, I couldn't tell you too much of of what goes on. To be honest, I'm just kind of yeah. The the days of sat down watching the pundits, I think have have gone a bit for me. So yeah, that's that's one thing. TV coverage, uh, refereeing, as you can imagine, is something that's been mentioned. Um, Joe Brown, Sam Richards, Nick Humphreys, all mentioned. Uh, refereeing standards or moaning about referees. People were delighted with uh, Nigel Owens. Well, yeah. Again, I think it depends which uh, which side of the fence you you sit on. Did he get those big calls right for you? He did for me. Yeah, absolutely. He got them right. It would be interesting if he was refing the uh, the Ireland Wales game. Mm. Yeah, to see how that would have gone, because it could have been a different story. But 
Um, yeah, he got this. He's getting a, a lot of a lot of heat, isn't he, um, from the English now? But if you watch those decisions back, the key ones, they're absolutely spot on. So I, I don't know what the. Yeah, I mean, I, look, I think watching that game, I thought Scotland might have got a few of those 50-50 breakdown calls in their favour. I think it was yeah. a couple of times where maybe Barkley was off his feet and went back on his feet. But the breakdown, second bite of the cherry. Um, but like, yeah, the, those two. Those yeah, with the Courtney Laws. Oh, yeah, it was a massive. Like, it couldn't have been a bigger yeah, knockoff. Those were the big. You know, obviously they they they, they tried. They were. Yeah, they they wanted them to be tries, yeah. didn't they? But I, I think with the well, neither were tries. No doubt no, about they it. Yeah, yeah. But with the breakdown. You, you, it's it could it could eat. I think almost every core could yeah. go. Uh, they're never that clear cut, are they? Really, yeah, all you want is consistency. Yeah, really. Um, and he was he was pretty. It's just England were never in that position. They they pretty much did what Wales did, which was which is back off, um, and didn't didn't compete and got completely blown away mm. by the Scottish pack. And we were you know the Scottish pack was soft against us. They offered nothing. But again, I think a lot of that came down to every time uh, the, the way the refereeing, uh, the way the game was refereed against us was so, so different. We were able to, to negate them. A, I think we cleared out really well against Scotland. We were sending people in. Uh, like Corey Hill and, and, and Alan Wynne jones were smashing through uh, the likes of, of Barkley and Watson. But then the other thing is that those 50-50 calls or the borderline ones... Any time that they went beyond the ball and came back, they were pinged. They were pinged relentlessly, and it felt like they needed those in there to be able to to compete against us. Whereas against England, I don't think that I don't think they were um, pinged on that, and they were allowed to to get on the uh, to kind of to cite precedent around it. And and yeah, they they did destroy them. Sure. That's a big slow back row, isn't it, England? Like you have got one lock in there, you have got a giant number eight, and you have got Rob Shaw, who's a yeah. who's a six. Yeah, I mean the eighty eight carry you know, carries carries fairly well, doesn't he? Takes out a few people and then that's it. Yeah, well I think he's I think he's a good player, but I think actually the bigger problem is Laws, for as brilliant a player as he is, he's a second row. Like he's a he's a big second row as well. He's lump, you know, he's yeah. a real a real unit. Like I just don't know yeah, for me that's baffling that they don't pick Underhill if Underhill the long way it continues. If Underhill had been on yeah, if Underhill had been on the park from, from minute one. Yeah. It'd have been a different story. I think yeah, I think it definitely would have but uh, Anyway, that's that's by the by. So yeah, refereeing is definitely something else to consider. I would have brought him on the twenty minute mark. Would you? Yeah, straight on. Well, twenty minutes in. Yeah, I mean they, they certainly had the uh, had the upper hand really really early on in that game. And then another thing which has been brought up um, is brought up by David Grinter on on Facebook and loads of people moaning about it during the game. And that's Dan Bigger's petulance throughout the uh, throughout the Ireland game. Obviously known for being a bit of a moaner. What? What did you make of that? It's it's not great, is it? Not great to see. I mean, he's put it he put it to bed. He's put it to bed, really, isn't he? Because in his the early part of his career, it was every week, mm. wasn't it? Every week for his club, um, and then we did used to see it for Wales, didn't we? A lot. I haven't seen too much of it really recently, but um, yeah, when he was, it led to he got obviously got ta- got got hit in the air, wasn't happy with it and tried to signal to the ref, didn't yeah. he? And that led to... It, yeah, a, he wasn't it, hit in the air. He it, had a foot no, on the ground. It was... um, but that, that's, the bit, that's the bit that annoyed me. It's like, to be honest, look, I know it's annoying when players moan at the referee, but also, if he gets in the referee's ear and we win penalties off it, I'm la- I largely don't care. 
Um, like, look, if you know if he influences the referee by by chirps in a way, doesn't really bother me. If but often if it goes against yeah, him, doesn't yeah, it? That's that's the, no, that's very very different. That's the problem. The thing that annoyed me is like you can't gesticulate to the referee when you've got the ball in your hand. Like concentrate, concentrate on that first. Like rather than appealing for the penalty there, yeah, deal with it, and then you know if you need to put pressure on the ref afterwards, then then do it there. But you know the fact that he was wa- he was waving his arms around and lent lent him lent to him turning the ball over. That's the bit that really annoyed me. With yeah, it. yeah, I think he'll be disappointed as well. And he's such a competitive chap, yeah. and he you know he wants to win so badly, and it's. I think it's almost sort of he doesn't he probably didn't quite know it was like instinct with him he mm. comes out with that as as others wouldn't but he's it's it's in him and it happened and you know he'll probably be a little bit disappointed as well. Anything else you want to add to the Simbin from this weekend or do you want to do you want to take a pick out of those three? Um, I haven't really got anything further to add into it. I mean, with the. You know, with the refereeing and the interpretation of the of the sort of breakdown, it's fair to say, isn't it, that wh- whoever the ref favours, the team is likely going likely to win. Yeah. You know, it's it's that is that important, isn't it? Now, could it be more clear cut though? Should it be more clear cut for the players, for the fans, for the referees that there is a lot less room for interpretation at the breakdown, um, and the laws are tightened up so that everyone understands what the what the um, the rules of engagement yeah. are? Well, understanding the rules or or a slight a slight tweak, a slight tweak to them. I mean, well, yeah, it's, potentially, it's a good yeah, point. I'm, I I I don't I'm think a little it should bit be as open to interpretation as it is. You know? Yeah. This one thing that that baffles me a little bit is the speed at which the two, like you know someone's over the top of the ball and. They they only have to be holding on for almost a split a split second, mm. and it's very difficult to see whether they are holding on or you know or what's going on. And it's and it's a penalty. It's so it's so fifty fifty, but so it's difficult for it's difficult for the refs. It's difficult for the players. It's difficult for the fans. And equally for the game itself, it stops. It's very stop start. It's very staccato. Yeah. Um, and if you if we let it if we let it go a little bit. The ball would more often than not come back, presumably, to the attacking side. We may see even more attacking, you know, attacking rugby. Um, I don't know, just something to. Yeah, no, it's interesting. I don't know. I I think you're right, though, that it's such a big part of the game that it would be great if we're able to reach a more Mm. consistent level of. of referee, so that there's there's not as much room for. Because it's everyone knows by looking at it, going penalty, not a penalty. Turn or better still, the ball is actually turned over, and then you get the op- the opposition with a chance to run. You know? Because it's such a big part, there's so much going on within that. Because it's you get if you get that right or wrong, whichever you know, it's going to have a massive consequence. So there's there's so much there's the tactics that are going on. It's really it's really dark, isn't it, as to what's happening? Yeah, oh, it is. Yeah, so there's it so much there's been. so much cheating going on in that area. But hey, you know it's. Uh, it's part of the game, isn't it? All right. What are you going to put into the sim bin then, Dan? You get the casting vote. TV coverage, refereeing, or Dan Bigger's petulance? I'm going to go with refereeing. All right, fine. In it goes. Last part of the show, any other business. Uh, so this is all of the other news from around Welsh rugby this week. Um, as part of this, we're going to be uh, going ahead and, and picking our team 
uh, to face Italy. But first, just to get a mention for the for the regional rugby as well. Now, obviously, been dominated by Six Nations this weekend, but three out of the four regions getting wins. So the Scarlets beating Ulster, Cardiff Blues sneaking past Zebra, and uh, the Ospreys in an even closer game against the Cheetahs. Uh, meanwhile, on Friday night, the Dragons uh, weren't able to to beat Edinburgh um, in Edinburgh Vale, and they lost uh, lost another game, uh, albeit in a different venue. Uh, but some pretty significant, you know, significant results in there. Even though we're in, uh, we're in Six Nations week. You know, if you look at the look at the top of the the top of that conference B, Scarlets beating Ulster, that is a really really big win for them. Yeah, it's a massive win, isn't it? Really impressive second half performance from the Scarlets. Um, I I've, I think I've, uh, I've I've retweeted the same try by Combia twice. Mm. Because it was so good, wasn't it? You've had a look at it. Yeah, um, that was absolutely like the, the sheer wheels on it. But do you know what? It, um, it was the feet and where as it well. started. Yeah, just yeah, out on the touchline yeah. inside his own half. I, admittedly, there's a there's a missed tackle in there, but it's just that that sheer ability to and sorry, the sheer instinct to go. Yeah, I'm I'm having this, um, and go on and finish it on his own. Um, that, that's what you want to see from a winger, yeah. isn't it? That's what I want to see every time wingers get the ball, and you know it's. It's similar to the way Steph Evans plays his rugby. He looks to come in off his wing and look for the mismatch and go. I thought we'd lost that kind of wing work. You know, there was a time when, you know, when you're looking and Wales had the likes of North and Cuthbert on the wings and the game plan was very much built around smashing over the top of people. I love watching a winger now who's looking for who's looking for space in the same way that you know that Shane used to and and players like that. So yeah, it was good to good to see that. But in the context of that game, you know, it means that. Scarlets very much have have it all to play for in terms of you know trying to secure a not only a playoff spot but a home semi final as well. Yeah, huge win back on track and uh, against an Ulster, that Ulster squad is packed, isn't it? Packed full of of quality. Yeah, so, I mean they're really struggling so, though, aren't they? Ulster, they just don't look. They don't seem to be able to fire. Yeah, but it's a that's a that's going to be that's going to come down to being a big, big win, isn't it? Mm. Um, and, and hats off to them. I think any any of the youngsters coming into the Scarlet side will just be loving it, won't yeah. they? Coming into a well, side yeah, that just plays like, like it does. So, yeah, big win. Meanwhile, not not quite as big, but the Cardiff Blues have gone on a real good run of form of late. And that win, that win against Zebra, you know, it keeps them, it keeps them in the hunt for a playoff spot. Um, you know, it's still going to be some tall order. But most importantly, it really keeps them in the in the hunt for uh, a Heineken Cup place next year, which is so, so important. Yeah, Blues just got a knack now, haven't they, of winning? Do you think they can... Again, we said this before, you know, you you think that um, they seem to be a side who uh, who play better when, you know, towards the end of the season when the when the weather gets a bit better. Or, you know, they, to be fair, they started the season really poorly, but the season before, they started well uh, during that part of time. And not missing many, are they with the uh, with the Welsh squad? No, not missing as many. Um, and we've said this before as well. They seem to be now. They seemed like they've got a couple of really strong youngsters. Again, Owen Lane on the the score sheet yet again. Um, you know, Jared Evans is a player who we've we've spoken mm-hmm. about in his form over the last few weeks. And those kind of young players coming through who aren't aren't in the Wales squad but are. Really, kind of doing a job for doing a job for the Blues, and if they can step up now over the next uh, over the next few months and into next season, then you know maybe they're uh, they're onto something. And with a new coach coming in, 
seems as though Jim Mallinder is the favourite to get that now, as we discussed last week. You know, whoever it is, is going to want to see them in the Heineken Cup um, from a prestige point of view and from a financial point of view. So hopefully they're able to, to carry on this uh, this run of form and, um, and close it out towards the end of the season. Yeah, definitely. I mean, with <laughs> they're doing so well, aren't they, with, with all the sort of nonsense that's going on behind the scenes that, yeah, once the... Yeah, you know, once the new coach is coming in as well, it should only help, shouldn't it? So they're in a, they're in a, in some, in some ways they're in a good position. Yeah. They're playing some good rugby, aren't they? Um, so yeah, we we'll just forget about the off the field stuff and yeah, if they on were, field it's great if they're able to do that. Yeah, certainly, and um, it'd be good if they can get you know at least the, the head coach thing sorted out. Potentially, the Ospreys a step closer to sorting out their head coach role as well, which. It seems now a number of places reporting that Robbie Fleck, the former South African centre, is in the is in the box seat for this one. Are you pleased with that? Or would you be pleased with that? I, do you know what? I don't really know enough about him to to do that. You know, I think we know that it's a Stormers, isn't it? That he that he coaches and he's taken them to a couple of um, to a couple of quarterfinals in Super Rugby. I don't watch a monstrous amount of of Super Rugby to be able to to kind of comment on that. Um, I think they've obviously, you know, if it, if it does turn out to be him, they've obviously decided that there's enough there uh, to go on and, you know, gone far afield. They said they wanted a world-class coach. Whether or not he falls, you know, I think it depends on your interpretation of what world-class is, but certainly seems to have some pedigree. And um, look, whatever happens, they, they need to get this sorted, sorted sooner rather than later so they can go on and build for, for next season, recruit and... Uh, yeah, and really start rebuilding as they head into mm. the uh, as they head into the you know the, the tail end of this season. Yeah, yeah, I think it'll be a good a good appointment if they can secure him. Um, this there is some quality players the Ospreys aren't there. They can there's a lot of decent players aren't they? Mm. And they just need that management now to to, to to push on. But they you know Ospreys got a got the win didn't they? And, yeah, which again, I think you know they they're going to need a few uh, a few more of those, even just from a from a morale point of view. Keep keep it ticking. Yeah, because uh, Lord knows are fed up of saying that the dragons seem to be losing every single week. You know, we we've, we've said it before. Well, I think we're both on the same page that you have to judge them next year. Um, but it does not make things easy in the short term when they they're constantly losing. I think particularly when. These these games that are seemingly controversial with some sets of fans when they move it away from Rodney Parade. Um, seen you a big big crowd down there, didn't they, for the game? I mean, it seemed big. I don't think it. I don't think it was particularly. But again, there's been some dispute around it. Is there? Um, well, I saw a couple of the shots that I saw anyway. Were, uh, yeah, but, I but mean, again, again, it's going to look bigger than um, yeah, uh, just because it's a smaller stadium, but. Um, you know, generally, I'm in favour that if they can make these games work, I think it does help to to reach out to the uh, to the other parts of the of the region. Um, so generally, I'm in favour of them. But look, you know, as we said before, it doesn't make a blind bit of difference really what we think. It's about the next generation of fans, and if the Dragons can make that work, and they've got people, you know, they're able to get people excited um, about the future, younger. Fans who are going to go be the next, um, the next generation of fans. That's the bit that's that's so so important, rather than uh, rather than the current or, or past crop of fans. Yeah, that's, I think that's the sorry reality. That's the commercial reality of it, anyway. Yeah, yeah, I'm with you.
But yeah, again, potentially some um, Bernard Jackman saying there's some uh, some big signings afoot, which he says uh, are going to who's that going to be rattle a few cages. I really don't Josh, know. Josh Adams. I mean, that will rattle a few cages because I think North. I think they'd have to pay a transfer fee. I, I still think North is heading out west, whether it be yeah. I, I'm just yeah. It's been talks of Cardiff again, isn't there? And uh, Cardiff Blues. Yeah, it's um. I don't know, it's impossible to call. I've kind of almost stopped speculating now and gone, okay. Um, you know, because I, I simply don't know. But I just, yeah, I, I, I think we've said it before, but I, I just want to see a, a front five forward and then uh, that's where we're really lacking some some experience and that will really help us into into next year. Yeah, well, maybe. I'll have to see who's coming there. Right, let's finish by talking about Wales um, ahead of the, the Italy game. Uh, it's obviously a little while to... Uh, to go ahead of that one, but if you're picking the side, Dan, what changes would you make? Who would make that twenty-three for you? I'd bring in. I'd, I'd bring in Elliot D. Would you? Okay. Yeah, I want to see him. Want to see him start. Um, I think he's fared well off the bench, but he deserves a start mm-hmm. in my book. Um, I'd bring in Falatau. Falatau at eight. I'd bring in Tipperick um, at, at seven. seven. Yeah, yeah. Um, and I'd keep. I'd keep Shingler where he is at six. Um, I'd make a change at 10. I'd have Patchell. I want to see Patchell again at 10. Um, and then I thought North looked looked sharp. Mm. He really did. So um, I'd bring in North and uh, I'd give... Um, I'd switch switch Liam to, to fullback for this game and uh, keep Steph where he is. No, so half half penny. So half penny, yeah, half penny would uh, would drop out for this particular game. So you're back in Patchell's goal kicking as well. Yeah, I think he'll. Uh, yeah, I mean, it's. I know that's a big that's a big call, but um, I think he'll. I just think he'll 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 quite enjoy that little bit of that little bit of additional pressure against against Italy. I think he can handle it, mm. um, and. I just, I just want to see him. I want to see him as a ten and and kicking as a ten as well. Um, I think he'll be the type of player that would that could well benefit from that. So there's a couple of big calls there. Yeah, no, that's an interesting one. I've I've been mulling this over my head, and I really haven't quite come to a conclusion yet. Front row, I lead the same personally. Um, second row, I'd be tempted to bring Bradley Davis in actually. Um, for for Corey, yeah, yeah. Um, I think as well as he's gone, I just think at times we missed um, we missed Bradley's sheer doggedness and bulk. Bulk, yeah. yeah I think was was probably um, is probably the word for it. So I'd, that'd be the one change I'd make to the front five. But again, I'm happy to see Corey go there again because I'm, I'm I'm a big fan of his back row. I would go for Shingler. Navidia eight and Tiprick at seven. Oh, I thought you were gonna I thought James I'd put Cubby on the bench. Yeah. Yeah. Um Oh that's hard. I don't know. Do you know what? I might go the same back row as you. I think yeah, if Toby needs a bit of game time, you can afford him that against Italy. Yeah. Um getting ready for France. Yeah. So yeah, maybe Toby and, and leave Josh Navidia out of the twenty three. Um and then Yes, I bring Patchell back into the side. 
but um, not a 10. <laughs> it's going to be fullback, isn't it? Oh, this is so hard. Um, I told you before, the one thing I'm really intrigued to see is would he add something at 15 if you had bigger then at 10? Um, can, the t- can the two of them play together? Um, well, what are we going to know if they do? No, I'm going to go Anscombe at 10, Patchell at 15. Um, no, I'm not. Right, that's it. No, I'm going Patchell at 10. I'm going Patchell at 10. Yeah. Patchell at 10. Centres remain the same. Steph, uh, back three remains the same, but with Liam moving to full-back and half-penny on the wing. Okay. So no room for... No room for no North? No room for North. I'd leave him on the bench. Leave him on the bench, yeah. Um, and I'd drop bigger out of the 23. That's what I'd go for. Cubby on the bench as well. So Cubby's covering covering the whole of the back row? Yeah, he is. Um, look, I think if Toby went off injured... I think Shingler could probably do a job against Italy at eight. Likewise, I think Tipperick could Tip, probably do yeah, a, do- Tip, a job at eight. Tipperick stood there as he for yeah. uh, for the Ospreys. I know more so. Uh, he hasn't actually play, been playing there. Yeah, he's he? been packing down at eight, yeah. hasn't he? Yeah. So that'd be that'd be the one I'd go for. Okay, so quite a few quite a few changes, yeah. Yeah, I would I would make those yeah. change in there. I, I I think you just got to try. I'd be tempted to go wholesale changes, but. Um, I don't know, it's, it's really, really tricky. As you can see, I haven't really thought about it properly enough to, it is hard. to go for it. It is hard. It's because Gareth, because with Gareth at nine, yeah. I just think him having the, the, that Scarlet's, that Scarlet's yeah, four. Yeah. Um, because Anscombe's looked really good, hasn't he, at, 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 at 10 when he's, when he's played there. But I just think he's a really good option off the bench mm. when people are a little bit tired. Yeah. Um, it's kind of the last, the last person you want to see coming on is Gareth Anscombe. Um, because he's he's pacey, isn't he? Mm. He's got a good brain on him as well, and he um, I don't know. He slotted in, slotted in brilliantly, isn't he? But I don't think he'd have the same impact starting, which maybe the Welsh coaches. Yeah, think no, I get that well. actually. I do get that, and I think yeah, I think I'm inclined to agree that I think he's as the game starts yeah. to open up, that's where you want to start start bringing him and in. And he's just a brilliant bench man, isn't he? As well, because yeah. he's fifty, because he can play fifteen, ten. Um, Maybe you could slot him in somewhere else as well. So the bench is is brilliant for him. Yeah, no, I think I'm uh, inclined to agree with you on that one. And that brings us to a conclusion for another week on the Attacking Scrum. Uh, Please remember to leave us a review if you've enjoyed it. Um, And you can do that on iTunes. Get in touch with us on Twitter at Attacking Scrum. Uh, Like our Facebook page or join the Facebook group, which is Wales Rugby Fans. Uh, We've got some amazing guests lined up. We don't want to say too much just yet because we don't want to jinx it, but... Some really, really good guests from the world of Welsh rugby that we're very, very excited to chat to. Um, so more will be released on that uh, as soon as we can. Uh, as always, remember to check out our sponsors at socoffeetrades.co.uk. Uh, we will see you next week. Thanks for listening. Podcast Network.